Welcome to Talking Biotech, the podcast dedicated to exploring the latest advancements in biotechnology, sponsored by Calabra, the R&D software that accelerates scientific discovery with AI. Each week, we'll dive into the latest innovations and discoveries with industry leaders and pioneers. Now, here's your host, Dr. Kevin Fulta. I want to see science serve a useful purpose to improve the standard of living for all people. Why is anyone fighting food advance? A very small percentage of the world's population is fortunate enough to have the luxury of turning down food. We've arranged a society based on science and technology. There was nobody understands anything about science and technology. You can't build a peaceful world on empty stomachs and human misery. Thank you for listening to the Talking Biotech Podcast. It's the weekly biotechnology podcast that's not just about biotechnology. Providing information to help you change hearts and minds. Moving innovations to application with communication. So welcome to the Talking Biotech Podcast. It's the weekly podcast where we talk about innovations in medicine and agriculture with an emphasis on biotechnology and the good things it can do for people and the planet. My name is Kevin Fulton, and tonight we're speaking to you from Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, <laughs> and it's kind of cool. Um, Donald Trump was my warm-up act. <laughs> Your warm-up act? Yes, he was my warm-up act. <laughs> And, and, and what's really awesome is that I'm here to be able to speak with Michelle Miller. And Michelle Miller, you may recognize under a pseudonym of The Farm Babe. And I saw Michelle give her talk this morning and thought, what a great, great opportunity to be able to fold her into the podcast because of the message she gives. And so, Michelle, tell me a little bit about where you grew up and your origins, you know, back in Wisconsin. Yeah, I grew up in Wisconsin, um, so I grew up, I was a 4-H kid and rode horses every day after school, and I was really involved in farming, and uh, every test I took in high school, you know, when you take those aptitude tests that say what you should be, they all said, you should be a farmer, you should work in agriculture, be a veterinarian, or something like that, because I was always a huge animal lover, um, but like a lot of teenagers, I didn't listen, and I moved to Los Angeles instead. <laughs> So. Well, uh, do you want to know what they what those aptitude tests said I should do? No. All right, no so, so take a guess. Um, I think they said you should have been a... <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> it said I should have been a dental hygienist or a park ranger. <laughs> I could see that, Ranger Fulta. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, the day is young, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so, so you move out to L.A., and you're doing your... What did you do in L.A.? Yeah, so I actually graduated from the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising, and I worked for Gucci on Rodeo Drive. All right, so, 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 so the farm babe <laughs> yeah. was working for Gucci yeah. in L.A. Yep, that's pretty much how it went. If you would have asked my college self how I ended up raising sheep in rural Iowa, my college self would have laughed, but uh, it looks like my guidance counselor in high school was right, and now here I am. Um, back to my, um, 
I can say back to my roots, uh, pun intended, because, you know, I'm back in the Midwest, uh, small town farm, not too far from my hometown, which is Oshkosh, Wisconsin. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of cool to end up back in the Midwest where I grew up riding horses and doing chores and 4-H and all that back to, uh, to Iowa. So, yeah. Well, did you ever ice fish on Butamore? I did. What you know about ice fishing on Butamore? <laughs> you know, you never know with me. I'm like a pinata of weirdness. <laughs> and, you know, I, uh, Butamore, like the whole area, no one knows that it's called Butamore except for people who are from the area. Yeah. So, But I, um, I have lots of friends in Wisconsin. I did my postdoc in Wisconsin. And uh, I hope maybe someday to end up back there, but uh, I, I know that area well. We ice fish Lake Winnebago, and oh, you know. Yeah. My parents, uh, I actually grew up, my parents always had a boat growing up, so I, I grew up fishing on Butamore and Winnebago all the time. Yeah, we, we used to go hammer walleyes and sheep's head on Poygan. <laughs> Very cool. And I had the world's biggest sturgeon in the Wolf River one time and lost it. Really? Yeah, you're not allowed to fish for them. I foul hooked them. Oh. So anyway, but that so, must have been pretty big, though. If it, it was, yeah, it was yeah. pretty big. And you know, welcome to the Talking Fishing Hour. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and uh, I'm Kevin Folta, talking about fishing. Yeah. So, um, so all right. So you're you're in you're. I'm totally lost here. You yeah. you, you were in Wisconsin. You went to L. A. Mm-hmm. Did your thing in L. A. Did the training for Gucci. Then what was it that brought you back to the farm? Yeah, so I worked for Gucci um, in Beverly Hills, and then I ended up in Chicago for a while. I did the big city thing and got kind of tired of that, so I ended up moving to Florida. Not too far from your neck of the woods, actually. I was in Pensacola, and I was at a bar, and I met a farmer, uh, a very attractive, tall, handsome, corn-fed Iowa farm boy, and he hit on me in a bar, and it worked. So that was, I guess, about six years ago, and uh, we've been together now for over five, and I we did long distance, and I ended up moving to Iowa for him. I call him my Prince Farming, and uh, from there, I just started learning about farming and what he was doing on the farm, and I realized everything I thought I knew about agriculture from the city was completely wrong. So it took me down this path of starting a blog and a Facebook page to just educate people about what we were doing on the farm. So Doug is a sixth generation, and he grows, you know, GMO crops, some non-GMO crops, uh, beef cattle. I mean, when I learned that he was actually using growth hormones and, you know, all this stuff and uh, growing GMOs, I was just completely shocked. But then when you learn the science behind this technology and realize the benefits of what it does, I just completely fell in love with the science. And I just ended up following my love of agricultural science, which is, I guess, how I found you, (laughs) to learn about plant breeding. But it was just, it's just really cool to go from this big city girl to this rural farm and just try to educate people on how their food is produced and, and really work to bring uh, bring a bigger voice to science in the food space instead of all the marketing and the misinformation that's out there. So. And, and, and so you, you've lived in the city, you've lived in a rural area. What do you prefer and why? Oh, the farm life. It's so great. You know, I didn't know what to expect. I thought I'd like it, but I just love it way more than I ever thought I would. And, you know... Living in L.A. and Chicago, as I don't know, maybe some of the listeners are familiar with, you know, where I am now, a traffic jam means you're stuck behind a tractor on a gravel dirt road. (laughs) So now, when it used to take me 45 minutes to drive a a couple miles, it now takes me 45 minutes to drive, you know, 45 miles or whatever. Well, not 45 miles, but you know what I mean. So it's like, 
you cover the same you cover the same amount of time. So I love the fact that it's just quiet, it's peaceful, it's easy, it's just beautiful. I love caring for animals, which is what everybody always told me I should do was you should work with animals and I've never been happier to get to work with animals every day um, and just be on the farm and, and enjoy science and communicating about it, telling the story. Well, that, maybe that's what makes your, your story so powerful is that, you know, so many, as I mentioned six years ago, your life changed when you met a farmer. But, you know, you were a in Chicago in Lincoln Park, you know, uh, which I know that area very well. And it's not necessarily a hotbed of science. It's kind of the Whole Foods, a lot of uh, food woo. What was it like when you lived there? And then where do you live now? And tell me about that. Yeah, I mean, I definitely fell victim to a lot of the myths, you know. Um, I had seen some movies on Netflix like a lot of people have, and you fall victim to these myths, and you read stuff on the Internet, and you think that you're an educated consumer, right? Because nobody knows a farmer anymore. And if they do, it's a small hobby farmer. It's not a real commercial farmer running thousands of acres to feed people on a larger scale. So to go from this feeling of fearing your food to going to a, 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 a you it's basically like I feel like I'm taking revenge on my wallet because I feel like I spent way too much money on food and now I have a better understanding and when you hear stories of moms or people who are concerned or are worried about their food like that breaks my heart because we all care we all care about the environment and the planet and so for me it's really um it's I think it's right for humanity to help people and and really give science a bigger voice so I the journey has just been incredible to feel you, you know when your eyes are just that open and you want to just you just want to shout it at the top of a mountain at how cool science is in farming you know I, I totally know it. and that's one part of that resonated with me with your talk today was when you get that email from the mom yeah and I get them all the time the ones that say thank you for letting my child live a normal childhood that you know he or she can go to a party now and have a hot dog or can have the cake and they don't have to have the quinoa kale salad that I packed for them you know and and those moms it's almost like a liberating thing for them that they realize that they're not being bad parents by letting their children live right and experience this the current state of things and what was it that changed for you along that same line um, yeah, for sure. You know, I, it was funny because when I first met my boyfriend, you know, I was looking around at his crops when he, and I was, I was asking him about it and, you know, I said, are your crops GMO? And he's like, yeah. And he just shook his head, shrugged his shoulders like it was nothing. Because when you, when you live in a small rural farm community, that's just the norm. Like 95% of farmers are doing this, right? So he looked at me like he had, like I had three heads when I was like, what, why on earth would you be growing something like this? And, uh, you know, we just had a really great conversation. But, yeah, I mean, you know, that, that's the thing. It's like I think sometimes people worry about, you know, what's in their food. Um, but, you know, we all care. You know, if anybody, anybody's a mom, we all care. So it's not a matter of, you know... Um, thinking one is one crop is more superior, or a different plant breeding method is superior. Everything is is somehow modified by humans. Um, but just to have that conversation and to say, you know what, I I feed my family what I grow. I would never eat something that is detrimental to my own friends or you know that was bad for the environment. We all care about this stuff, so it's important to find that common ground and. 
just have a conversation to help each other out, you know? I, I totally know. I mean, that's that's where I'm at is that I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm a scientist, but the other hat I wear is I, I'm still an aging athlete. Like, I'm a guy who had a lot of success in a lot of different areas early on in sports. Yeah. And now I look at this in my rearview mirror, and I'm doing everything I can to maintain that. And eating right is a big part of that. I'm really careful about what I eat. Not as careful about what I drink, but I'm very careful about what I eat. And the big thing with, with, with that is the food celebrity sphere that's guiding social decisions about how we treat these things. Tell me a little bit about your interaction with the Food Babes website. Oh, yeah. So about three and a half years ago, I had just discovered her because a friend of mine had shared her article. And um, when I read it, you know, it's talking about GMOs being drenched in chemicals. And I thought, wait a minute, this isn't true at all. So I commented on her Facebook page. And I just very, very politely, very respectfully just said, you know, we're farmers and we grow GMO crops. And, you know, this is why we spray, how much we spray and how, you know, your food's not drenched, you know, and spray two days out of a year. And it was a very thought out, polite response. But after I did it, I was banned within five seconds of her page. So I just thought that was crazy when I discovered this Facebook page called Banned by the Food Babe and realized that there's over 10,000 members and you realize who these people are. They're farmers, they're scientists, they're people that devote their entire lives to an agricultural or a scientific field. So it, it, you know, in a sense, my past has really created this silver lining of a passion or my calling in life to try to debunk the myths because that's just crazy if you're not letting farmers and scientists talk about farming and science like we need to take back the story and not let activists tell it because we're the ones that do it (laughs) no you're, you're exactly right and so what we'll do on the other side of the break is come back and talk about what should our modern messaging look like and what are the ways that you found to connect to people So this is a Talking Biotech podcast. We're talking with Michelle Miller, the farm babe, and uh, we'll be back in just a moment. Hey, everyone. Nick here from No Ideas Media. At No Ideas Media, we're trying to start pragmatic discussions about divisive topics. And given your awesome taste in biotechnology podcasts, I'm thinking divisive topics are right up your alley. And speaking of biotechnology, I've been scouring the globe looking for stories about genetic engineering, and I've interviewed some experts, like Kevin Folta, for example. I'm bringing these interviews to the masses in the form of short web-based videos, and this is why I'm talking to you today. I need help getting these videos in front of people who would benefit from a more nuanced understanding of genetic engineering. Like this week's video, which is all about genetically engineered cotton in Australia. I had a farmer from the Central Highlands of Australia help capture their friend's cotton harvest, and the video touches on Bullguard 3 cotton and planting windows and BT insecticide use before and after Bullguard's introduction and round bale cotton pickers, and it goes on and on. If you'd be willing to share this important work, you can track down the latest No GMO video by typing No Ideas Media, and remember, that's No as in knowledge, into YouTube or Facebook. And again, given your taste in podcasts, you're probably going to like it. All right, let's get back to Talking Biotech. Thanks, everyone. And welcome back to the Talking Biotech podcast. We're back today with Michelle Miller. Uh, You might know her as the farm babe. And in the first part of the podcast, we talked about her excursion from uh, somebody who was a little bit critical about the food she ate to someone who really understands where it comes from. As she says, it went went from rodeo to rodeo. (laughs) 
Yeah, that was awesome. Rodeo <laughs> Drive in California, too. So, Michelle, when we talk about today's modern messaging around the area of food and farming, what are some of the mistakes that people make when we step into those conversations, either as, like, you know, talk to concerned parents or as farmers? You know, there's way too many times on social media where I see people that are just rude to one another. And, you know, you have, nobody ever won somebody over or, like, got them in their corner or made somebody feel comfortable by being a jerk. And so I try to be really polite and kind. And I think it's very important to have empathy and put yourself in their shoes because, yeah, there's some crazy activists out there. You'll never change their mind. But 80 to 90 percent of people are in the movable middle. So I hate it when people just start throwing personal attacks online because that's just going to make them build their walls up even further. So I would say if you're going to have a conversation to um, treat anybody you'd meet on social media as a friend or a family member and try to put yourself in their shoes because, heck, here I am um, completely standing up for farmers when I used to be like this crazy anti-GMO activist that completely feared her food and like avoided chemicals. And now here I am saying, oh my gosh, this is crazy. People's minds are changed all the time, but it just needs to be that one person or that one voice to have the kindness and the patience to find the common ground. I totally understand you care about the environment or animal welfare or, you know, chemicals in our, on our food. We all care about that. But let's talk about what we're doing. Let's talk about the facts behind what the chemicals are, when they're sprayed, why they're sprayed, and the dose, because the dose is extremely minimal. So bring scientific facts. People fear what they don't understand. So talk about that in a relatable way that would be just like you were talking to your best friend where you're not trying to offend anybody and you're just trying to be... Be nice. Be nice, people. <laughs> well, that was always my problem because I came from a place that if you hit me, I hit you back really hard. Yeah. And I was always smart enough to be like a little extra mean and maybe a little bit pointier than other people. And I hung my head on that for a long time. And I did well with that in a way. But what I did was I turned off all the people I really needed to influence. Right. And whereas I may have gotten, I may have won the argument, but I lost in the perception side and so there's a um, you mentioned empathy and listening and all that kind of stuff but you know in a in a hostile situation say online what's the best guidance for somebody who's trying to engage somebody who obviously has no intention on listening no intention on following through what do you do um, yeah, so it, and it can be pretty easy to tell who's not interested in engaging because you can just click their Facebook profile. Like if I'm talking to somebody and I look at their profile and there's no background, it's like a fake profile, it's fake pictures, it's just like you can just tell they're just a troll. Um, so I usually just ignore. And, you know, when you have, but I don't ban, right? Because if you ban them, they win. It's very, very, very rare I ban somebody, and it's usually just because they're super annoying. <laughs> but, um, no, I mean, it's like that's what they want. Like, there's some internet trolls out there that that's their goal is to push your buttons, push your buttons until you ban them and they think they won. But the reality is, like, no. Um, so, um, well, I guess where I draw the line is that I'm I'm not, I when someone goes, I, I would, it would, it would break my heart to have somebody who was honestly curious and just not really, I don't want to say not intelligent, but somebody who was making claims that were uninformed and for me to write them off as a troll. That as a professor, and as somebody who really has dedicated himself to educating people, I have to welcome everybody under my tent a little bit 
even if they're you know even if they're making it unpleasant. But the trick is knowing when to divorce, you know, when to get rid of them. And I, I think that's been the skill I've devised. And I, I do block people, but only after they've been consistently awful. Right, right. But I think what I'm what I'm thinking is how much do you think your demeanor and your approach and your credibility and your kindness influence that malleable middle when you engage somebody who purely is hostile? Yeah, I, and I think it takes a lot of patience. Um, there is usually other people in the comment section that can help you out as well. Um, but you have to understand that nobody's going to change their mind overnight. But if you can at least allow somebody to think about it, sleep on it, and look into it, and maybe they'll find another comment somewhere or another page that, you know, that may lead them to... Um, you, you can't expect anybody to be like, oh, yeah, you're right. I'm wrong. <laughs> no, that, that's not how human psychology is. But um, I've, I have found some people over time that when you engage with them long enough um, and you find a common ground, here's, here's a really good example. So, uh, like I said, we grow some GMO crops on our farm, right? We also have earned uh, numerous awards in our region for Farmers of the Year for Soil and Water Conservation. So if you can shift it and say, you know, you may think that we're just drenching our fields or that, you know, we're, we're not as good as organic or whatever. It says, well, guess what? We actually have earned these awards and here's what we do. And there are some great public figures out there like the NRCS does some great programs for conservation. Um, you know, you've got your Ray Archuletas and the Gabe Browns and these people that are really into regenerative. And I found regenerative is a really good word. And these are good uh, public figures to kind of merge that us versus them divide. So if you can find that, say, hey, you know, just because I grow GMOs, it doesn't mean that we're not um, following your so-called organic principles. The, the different methods of agriculture really can marry together beautifully. And it's, it doesn't have to be an us versus them. It doesn't matter what marketing label is on your crop. You can be a good farmer no matter what. So... Find a common ground and just keep chipping away at it. And you're not going to win everybody over, but you can definitely do it over time. And you can definitely uh, find a common ground and keep working on that dialogue. So. Yeah, that's the part that breaks my heart, Michelle, is that I don't see this as an us versus them. Right. I see this as an us versus us. Yeah. Because we really want the same thing at the end right. of the day. Right. You know, I, I worry every single day about how to feed people who have just zero food. I worry about how to keep farmers in business. I worry about how to farm with sustainability. Those are like the core principles that I wake up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat saying, what do, how do we solve this? Yeah. And it's not us against them. It is how do we put the best tools on the table to solve the problem? Yeah. And so in, in terms of where you are, you know, as, a, as an Iowa farmer, uh, you know, uh, GM crops, all this. What's the easiest way that other farmers or other people of trusted credibility can engage the public in ways to really move the needle? Ways to engage. Um, I think, you know, getting involved in different groups that, um, gosh, you know, you know, I talk to everybody. I talk to everybody and anywhere, anywhere you go, um, because it's not just about social media, but, you know, uh, to start a conversation with your friends and family and just really ask them questions, understand where they're coming from. Um, say what are your concerns and you know just have that conversation but just keep keep going and running with it I guess you know well, that's what I love about watching you today is that you know you're one of a few people who I walk away from watching 
that I learn a new strategy and how I can change my approach and make myself a little better. So I appreciate that from you. How do people find you if they're interested in you coming in and giving a talk and uh, maybe even follow you on social media? Sure. My website is thefarmbabe.com. My social media handle is at thefarmbabe on every social media platform. I'm on everything. I'm on Twitter, YouTube, Snapchat, you name it, at, at thefarmbabe. Um, except Facebook. I'm facebook.com forward slash Iowa Farm Babe. Facebook.com forward slash Iowa Farm Babe. Uh, so that's the only one that's different. But definitely check out my website. I'm also a columnist. I have an article that comes out every Tuesday on agdaily.com. So those are the best ways to find me. And if you go to Ag Daily and do a search for Farm Baby, you'll find every article I've ever written, uh, which is weekly for <laughs> quite a while now. <laughs> so, But, you know, it's, it's what I'm really passionate about, and I'm interested in educating anybody and everybody that wants to learn more. And it's not just about what I do on my farm, but just learning about how all of our food is grown from, you know, to nuts, to fruits and vegetables and understanding the struggles and how we do all have uh, a common goal to feed 8 billion people, 9 billion people using less resources, less water, helping the poorest of the poor, keeping food affordable. We There's a lot in common. People just need to talk to farmers and scientists about farming and science and not believe everything you read on the internet, but just challenge your views and talk to the experts. Well, I could not have put a better bow on that than you just did. So, Michelle Miller, thank you so much for spending the time with me today. And uh, I really hope that we can get together again soon. Nice to see you in Tennessee. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Kevin. You too. Thank you for listening to the Talking Biotech podcast. Send your suggestions for guests, comments, or questions to talkingbiotech at gmail.com. Please write a review of this podcast on iTunes and recommend it to a friend. More downloads help us reach a wider audience with science. You've been listening to Talking Biotech, sponsored by Calabra, the platform that bridges the gap between siloed research tools. With Calabra's electronic lab notebook, scientists can work together in real time, sharing data and insights with ease. Revolutionize your research collaboration. Sign up for a demo today at calabra.app, C-O-L-A-B-R-A dot A-P-P.